podcast. I'm here with, I would say, a very resilient gentleman who's uh, performing under the weather before going on a long journey. He is the officiant auto, Mr. Chris Rutkowski. You make me sound so much more interesting than I actually am with this long journey. No, look, everything. I, I, it's, it is. It's. It's. A, I mean, it's a, it could be a tale that you're going to be coming on that we haven't even oh, touched yeah, on it's yet. A, it's a big, big, long journey to, to Nashville. Well, look, if you take your guy, you could make it there. As long as you got your cowboy boots, you're sorted, right? Oh yeah. Um, so, Chris, uh, let's let's get started. Let's talk about the website a little bit, and then we'll mm-hmm. dive back into it. So, can you tell the listeners exactly about the website and what the goal of it is, or the YouTube series as well? That yeah, part? so it's a YouTube series primarily, um, and it's called The Aficionado, and uh, it, it was meant to be a place for car stories of all kinds, but what it ended up being is actually very um, focused in on movie cars, and the owner's the designers, the creators, the replicators, the fans, basically the whole sub-car culture of movies and movie cars. And uh, so I go out and I find people who either make their own movie cars, make movie cars for the industry, um, or just care for them. And I basically tell the whole story that's associated with that particular car. And then so how did you sort of narrow down this path kind of thing where did that come from or where did the synopsis or whatever come from well um ever since i was a kid i loved cars and that was my number one thing up until i discovered filmmaking in high school um but cars was my main motivator in fact my first word and i'm i'm from europe i was born in germany uh, my first word ever That's uttered it's okay <laughs> Hey man, dual citizenship. I can look, run away when I want. Look, it's, it's the English should be coming out here about the German thing. So it's totally fine. I oh, understand. it's the German specific thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I look at it as Europe. It's not oh, okay. specifically Germany. It's I can go to Europe. Look, I, one day I might not be able to go to Europe. And, so look, uh, you, you might not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I might not be able to do Britain. But I've got to do Europe. So you, I think you win on that round. Oh, Damn it. man. Yeah, right? I can go to Italy. Yeah. yeah and Italy is a great place. Um, so many good places in Europe. So, uh, right. So my first word I've ever uttered was auto, which okay. in Europe mostly is car. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as I said that, both my parents went, ah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> and my entire life has been driven by cars ever since. And um, every single car up until I bought my first one, which was an 07 Mustang, um, every car... Every everything, any any car that inspired me was a movie car. Mm-hmm. You know, I was of course I saw the Lamborghini Countach and I had a poster of it. You know, and was it the uh, red one? It was a white one. Oh, white one. Yeah, Interesting. white. Um, and for some reason, I don't see Countaches in any other color now. Like that's the only color I ever want to see a Countach in. It's oh, white. Okay. I don't know why. Eighties. Um, <clears throat> but well, every yeah, sorry it makes you think. So the white cars are always the Miami Vice cars, right? Mm-hmm. The white ones. Yeah, that's a Testarossa, but uh, yeah, it just, yeah, you know, know white I mean? supercars really yeah, just speaks of Miami Vice in yeah. the 80s, you know, yeah. exuberance of the, to the 10th degree. Um, and so, yeah, I was inspired by, by cars primarily for movies. So when I was a kid, my first movie that I ever actually liked, wanted to see in the theater was Jurassic Park. Okay. And as a kid, I was obsessed with the Explorer and the Wrangler. Which, in fact, the Wrangler was my first movie car, mm-hmm. you know. So ever since then, even my 07 Mustang, that was inspired by Eleanor, which is still today my dream car, you mm-hmm. know. So that's where it all comes from. I've never made a car purchase decision. Which which version of Eleanor are you looking for? Uh, looking Nicholas for? Cage. Yeah. To all those who are right now just going, boo, um, <laughs> just look at the car. It's a piece of art, all right? <laughs> that, that Eleanor Mustang in, in gray is, oh. Perfect. Yeah, it's a lovely car. Yeah, and Nicholas Cage's acting—let's be honest here—is without doubt 
incredible. I like Nicolas Cage, especially that Nicolas Cage, you know? Like, that shit is fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe there's some ones where it's ups and downs, but there's some good solid Nicolas Cage. Good. Con Air? Yeah. Oh, Come on, man. Oh, it's one of the Con greatest Air. films of all time. <laughs> one of the greatest Hell films yeah. of all time. Yeah. Um, but, so there wasn't any history of, like, cars and stuff in the family then before? Was it you that just sort of surprised your parents? Yeah, not really. My dad obviously likes cars. He taught me how to drive. He mm-hmm. took me into the, because uh, I grew up in Toronto, in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and he took me out into the parking lots full of snow, and he said, this is how you do car control. And he okay. showed me how to drift in snow. You know, I went for that handbrake once, and he was like, don't touch that. You do it all with your foot, you yeah. know? Um, and so, yeah, my dad, my dad has a great pride in driving. He's never, we, we never got to have a really nice car growing up. Um, for example, my car in high school was a Jeep Grand Cherokee mm-hmm. that my dad um, dropped on me, you know? And Which is handy for being Toronto. It's because fantastic. Because sometimes it's yeah. not always... That sunny, uh, sunny there. I learned how to off road in that thing. We took him to the local creek, mm-hmm. which is now a uh, commercial park. <laughs> it was literally like a block away from my place, and it was just perfect creek with rocks and stuff. Mm-hmm. We learned how to off road there. Now it's just all buildings. Um, but yeah, it was basically the best we could do was a Jeep Grand Cherokee, and um, and I obviously aspire to get something you know a little more aggressive. But I learned how to drive fast in a Grand Cherokee, so car control in terms of not only snow but also on dry on pavement with the weight, you know, throwing the weight around, learning how to control a car like that, you learn quite a bit. So when I got into my Mustang, it was like no problem. Yeah, you know, I was already I was just racing right from the first the first day. Yeah, that's yeah. The Mustangs generally tend to do that to you. Well. <laughs> Um, so then, you said your background's obviously in filmmaking, so mm-hmm. where did that, how did that sort of fit in or come about? Because that's obviously going to play a part in your... Yeah, it's part of my story, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's part of my, my ever-long story. Um, basically, in high school, I really liked photography. Um, I took photography classes, and still photography I was doing really well, and I, you know, I was impressing everyone, but then, um, the interesting story about our first video camera I got to play with was my dad won... I think it's five out of the six numbers on the lottery in Canada. Okay. And so it's not a big amount. It's like six grand, you know? He won six grand, and so he bought but a video. But still, it's, it's a nice amount of money. It's some free money. It's good. Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That. Yeah. so he decided to buy a nice video camera, you know, for the family. And then I started playing with the thing, and it turns out that um, from still photography, somehow motion pictures um, fell like like was just natural evolution for me. I, I understood camera movements and you know how to tell a story through the camera, almost in, like naturally, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and so from there in high school, we didn't have a film program or anything. We just had like a new media class and a photography class. And so I took both of them and I was doing well, but it wasn't filmmaking. So I took these. I just bought books about how to direct movies and just just put them all in my brain. Before and the days of YouTube and everything else. Yeah, there. yeah. Basically, before YouTube was uh, anything other than viral cat videos mm-hmm. and purple rain, you know? Yeah. Um, <coughs> and so I basically taught myself how to do filmmaking up until I went out, you know, to film school. Um, and I made my first short film in high school, and it blew everyone away because it was full of, like, camera moves that you see in movies, you know? And they're like, holy shit. Although my actors were all high school students, and I was doing, like, a Robert De Niro Mafia movie in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And so, in terms of the, you know, on-camera talent and the uh, thematics, you know, not that great, but the visuals are all spot on, you know? Yeah, and that's the key <laughs> right here, the key. Yeah. We're all about the visuals. If you want to be Michael Bay, of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, he just goes Which to big I don't explosion, mind being Michael explosions, Bay. explosions, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
<clears throat> what did that happen? I still don't understand that last Transformers that I haven't seen yet with the return to like... The Is that the Knights one? Yeah. I saw that on an airplane and I'll say as an airplane movie, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> on a small screen, there's a bunch of jokes. It's funny. It's all right. Yeah. Not great, but you know, whatever. Uh, I was, <clears throat> but then again, Michael Bay, Bad Boys. That's great. I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm a fan of Michael Bay. A lot of people begrudge him, but I believe he's actually... A pretty damn good filmmaker you know it's just a matter that he gets pigeonholed into these mass marketing movies right because mm-hmm. that's what they basically are and um if you look at one movie which is the island have you seen the island yes yeah i mean that's not the michael bay that everyone accuses him of being you know that's one where he actually he did amazing action sequences and stuff but mm-hmm. other than that he he did a, a great job of unfolding a story that you know in of Letting the story unfold in front of your eyes, you know, yeah. instead of just blowing it up with a button. Yeah, yeah. But then again, if someone's going to throw millions of dollars at you, you're probably not going to say, no, I don't know. Exactly, right? No. He's, he's get these scripts, and how much am I getting paid? 35 mil? All right. All right, yeah, that's no problem. I guess so. Yeah. Force me. Yeah. The funny thing is, I heard about how his, his process when he's working with screenwriters, they'll be writing the story, and he's like, cool, cool, cool. Once you get to that action part, just get me there. You don't even have to write it. Just fill the three pages with the word action, and I'll, I'll, I'll do the rest. <laughs> they don't have to ever write the action. He's just like, I got you. Uh, hold you got to respect that. He knows what's going on. Hold my coffee. Yeah. I got this. We got this order. Yeah. So while it wasn't Michael Bay, it was well received by the staff and students. So then what happened in regards to your burgeoning movie career at high school oh um basically uh, i decided that the canadian film industry is not where i belong mm-hmm. um so i left and i came to la um did a random film school just to make uh, contacts here and uh to get like a work visa and stuff it's the only way you can actually make it into america legally you know mm-hmm. um <clears throat> and so i made the connections i needed to and um like Basically, it led to me working as the lead camera guy at the AFI Fest Okay. in 2007. And from there, I started doing reality shows. And I was a DP on a couple of reality shows, and I did food shows. And kind of, I ended up landing in doc, you know? Okay. My passion has always been in scripted, you know, mm-hmm. creating camera moves and creating, you know, setting and tone from scratch. But somehow, I ended up in factual, you know, doc-style filmmaking. And uh, it stuck with me ever since, which, but it did lend perfectly into me doing my series, you know, for YouTube, mm-hmm. because it's, it's very much, it's doc filmmaking, and it's storytelling on, on, on a factual basis with real people, real stories, you know? So, you know, everything kind of evolved into itself and led to where I am now, yeah. kind of naturally. And so, um, what are some of the stories that you've talked about, or some of the cars I would say that you've had on there? Um, there's some pretty damn iconic cars. I've got like 23 on there right now. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and one of, I'll, I'll go through a list, but, but one of the most iconic cars that has, has gone through my camera and that I've driven is the, uh, Back to the Future 3 DeLorean, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why, not only because it's Back to the Future, you know, and it is Back to the Future 3, which some people are like, oh, it's the Western, but no, it's a good movie. I like it's it. It's a great movie. Yeah. So... Um, nonetheless, it is a time machine from Back to the Future. It's part of that iconic, you know, uh, storyline, that narrative. And so Universal, when they were doing um, Back to uh, when they when when they were finishing Back to the Future, they weren't letting go of any of these cars. You know, mm-hmm. in the eighties, they were kind of loose goosey with all these cars. They yeah. kind of they kind of did go leave the studio, and they sometimes mostly stayed. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously the famous one that's at the museum that, that now that, that, that I'm permanent. That one, the yeah. The museum that shall not be named, yes. And that one, um, 
that one was you know built rebuilt by the fans. Yeah. You know it was re- restored by the fans, and they were they all have a very similar story to that regard. They weren't very well taken care of after the um, movies were done, mm-hmm. and that includes the part three DeLorean, which was in shambles, sitting in the back of the lot for years and years, and then the guys from uh, Screen used auctions. They came over, bought it, and um, it was a pair. It was a a guy and his brother, and they decided to restore the Part 3 DeLorean and then auction it off for, um, not for charity. It was just an auction. And so uh, these guys in Boston, this father-son team, bought it in, in Boston. And so now it is literally only screen-used Back to the Future DeLorean that's ever left Universal. Mm-hmm. It's the only only one that will ever be in private hands, you know? And so they were kind enough to allow me to, you know, come to their farm and uh, drive this car, which really hadn't driven since the restoration. So I was one of the first people to be able to sort of test how it worked. And if you watch the video, you'll see that it doesn't work that great, or it didn't. They fixed it since. Yeah, so I was going to say, so I've watched the video, (coughs) and I know that it wasn't quite uh, as smooth sailing, and I don't know if you would have been able to get up to the 88 miles per hour. not even close. (laughs) You someone might need for time travel. Maybe if you had a train pushing you. I mean, even then. It'd be a struggle. I think so. I don't know. Do trains, do steam engines get up to that speed? Yeah. They do? Yeah. No shit. I don't know anything about steam engines. Yeah, I think the ones back in the time when they pushed to go for 100 miles an hour plus. No shit. Yeah. All right, cool. So yeah, maybe that's the only way it'll get that one to 88. Yeah, probably. Probably. Um... But no, I mean, I enjoyed it's you do great work, and it's interesting. It's not only seeing the cars, but also hearing the backstory yeah. behind it, how they all come about. And all mm-hmm. So, how difficult is it then, say, tracking down the car, or tracking down the people, or then trying to get them to put all three together so you can come and spend some time with them and make a movie? I'll tell you the story from the beginning. You know, when you're first trying to do your pilot episode, you know, mm-hmm. which is your most important. Um, uh, piece of work right because that sets you up yeah that's and that's true look at and be like oh yeah it's we tr- do we it defines him? you you yeah. know and it's true not only on youtube but also especially in the movie industry tv industry you know if your pilot's not spot on then uh, get the fuck out of the door you know you're not welcome here so um when i was doing this um when i was planning my first episode i had my Jurassic park jeep by then this is where the idea came from mm-hmm. basically i was driving my jeep down the street and i le- I, I started meeting all these replica movie car guys which i didn't know even existed and they all had these really interesting stories of oh i love this movie and i was a kid when i saw it and i wanted to live it and now i live it and i own my own movie car mm-hmm. um so i was sitting in my car in my jeep driving down some random street in la and i was like oh wait a second these stories are really interesting that's kind of the show you know and i had been trying to do a web series about cars for like three years mm-hmm. and i couldn't land on a good concept that was strong and looking for that first car for that pilot episode, I knew the formula and I knew I could do it. And I knew that it was well within my resources and ability. And, and I had full confidence myself and my team at the time. And, uh, but finding this first car, you know, the first subject, not only, um, you have to find the right person with the right story, but you also have to find people that are willing to let you drive and shoot that car, which takes Especially back then, because I wasn't perfect in terms of my, um, you know, uh, plan of attack when mm-hmm. shooting these cars. It took ten hours, ten, 10 hours of the day, you know, with meals and everything, to shoot one of these cars and um, to get someone to give you that kind of time and and their baby, effectively. You know, this is their baby that they usually sometimes they spend their life savings on. You know, um, it's really hard to get someone to say yes. And I had tried through multiple connections, people I knew, friends, um, the community, and I just wasn't having any luck. 
And to be honest, I don't know how I found him, but it was on Facebook, and, and Facebook is the only way this show ever existed because um, it's the only way you can connect with people um, that out of the blue that you don't know, you know, yeah. that have these cars, and you see the picture, and you just message them cold and say, hey, uh, you let me drive your car? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and so I found Lenny, and he was – he. I got. I think I got really lucky because because um, I was I was told about him from another guy who wanted to learn who didn't want to do the show and many others that didn't want to do the show. So finally, I got on Lenny and I asked him. I'm like, "So you have a, this Delorean?" He's like, "I just got it," you know. And it was kind of a perfect situation because he was he's a family man and his whole family is involved with his Back to the Future passion. And he had just received the car like three weeks before I contacted him. And he's like, absolutely, let's do this. I want to I tell my story. I want to tell the story about this beautiful car, you know, that we created for my family. And uh, he gave us the time. And I, I did my utmost best at the time, you know, my editing skills and everything to make this thing as best as, as good as possible. And basically, that pilot did so well for the longest time. It was my number one video, even after I'd done Fast and Furious cars, da da da, all these all these other you know iconic movie cars. It was still my number one video, so mm -hmm. my pilot was super strong. And from that, people would see what I did, what I did, and basically, anytime I asked someone if they want to do a video, they were like, "Oh shit, yeah, that looks good." Because basically, for the owner, it's a little personal piece for themselves, you know. Yeah, it's a little it's, piece of history they can keep. Yeah, it's their own little story, yeah. you know, that they can show to their family and friends, their their kids when they grow older. You know, this is this is me. This is my passion. Yeah, and they obviously, while everyone has a obviously they're professionals now with their mobile phones, it's nice to actually have a professional with some camera gear yeah. around <laughs> and do proper things with film shots and yeah. frame it correctly and edit it properly and everything else under the sun mm -hmm. and ask the right questions yeah well that's the thing i i really developed my interview skills over time doing this show i've t i've learned so much about people and how to talk to people and you know um how to really connect because when you interview you have to you have to connect with that individual <clears throat> and so then so after you did the first one then what where where did it go from there i mean how did you line up to get the other 20 plus cars um let me look at my list i gotta See, look at the big list i have a i have a list of well, it doesn't. Yeah, twenty-five. So there's twenty-five total videos right now. So I went from uh, the time machine, and then I went to a '66 Batmobile replica, which is by Nate Truman, mm -hmm. and Nate Truman runs Star Car Central, uh, which is a big community of replica movie cars. You know, that's where I kind of figured out that oh, there's a big group of people that share this passion, and um, so naturally he was my number two. You know, okay, Nate, let's get your story because you know everything about this, and he put it perfectly. You know, basically this group of people, the community part of it, you know, they've built their own toy cars, effectively. Mm -hmm. We all have Matchbox cars, you yep. know, we go, as you can I, see over the right there. Yep. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, you know, we all have these Matchbox car dreams where, mm -hmm. sure, it fits my hand, but I'd rather put my hand around the steering wheel. Yeah, you know? it'd be nice to drive it. Yeah. And so his his whole MO with starting the club was, was to, hey, to say, hey, look, you know, toys are fun, but they're more fun when we all play together, you know, and so basically he, he puts it, you know, all the movie car guys getting together is us just playing in a sandbox together, mm -hmm. you know. Um, <clears throat> and that was that was actually a great story. That one I got to really, you know, play around with the structure of the narrative when it comes to the, these stories. And that one was a big eye-opening moment. And then I think my first my first screen use car was Christine, and that was a big deal, you know, to to finally have my hands on something that was actually used in a movie. And not only that, but a, but a, I mean. Super iconic Stephen King story, you know? Yeah. So, and, um, 
that one, I think that car was valued at a million dollars when I drove it, you know, and no one had ever let me drive, drive a, a $1 million car. Um, he, he asked me, Hey, have you ever tried, uh, have you ever driven, um, a three on the tree? And I was like, yeah, sure. No, I didn't. You know, I was like, I was sort of oh, looking at him like, yes, <laughs> but yes, yes, I did. Yes, yes. I'm good. I can drive it. No problem. You know, no worries whatsoever. And then I was on my computer going, how do you drive it? Three in a tree. What is this? Okay. And then I figured it out. I was like, oh, it's just the same thing as the yeah. clutch, except the shifters on the fucking yeah. column. So whatever. I'm like, that's yeah, not a problem. Yeah. But that car was great. I mean, that thing had some attitude and some, 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 I mean, it was really Christine, you know, and the story, like people who are fans of Christine, they watch the, the video that I made. And the <clears throat> the synchronicity of his story with the actual story in Christine is is amazing. Like it's it's completely parallel. They're they're, they're the same story between him and the main character in, in Christine. He found the car, rebuilt it, became his girlfriend. You know, and and he and she the, she Christine has like little foibles. Doesn't let everyone drive her. You know. Yeah. And so I consider myself pretty lucky to be able to drive. You know, uh, of such a car. <clears throat> Um, and if you want to, like when we're looking at uh, other iconic stories, there's a really interesting story about a, a Chrysler Imperial in Japan that I did. And basically, it doesn't even look like an Imperial anymore. It looks like a like a spaceship from one of those 1980s um, sci-fi kung fu movies mm -hmm. that, that Japan does. Yep. Um, but super cool story. And, you know, to be able to shoot a story in Japan in such a, such a foreign environment, you know. Uh, to tell a car story there, I mean that was that was an honor for me. Yeah. So how did that come about? Then? Um, is that you <coughs> reaching out in the old Facebook again, or is no? This a, one a was this was thanks to, to Nate Truman. He he hooked me up with them. I I, I knew about Yasushi before, but uh, to get a hold of him is a little hard because of the language barrier, right? Yeah. And uh, so so Nate was kind enough to hook me up with him, and I was already there shooting another. Uh, I was shooting a food show. And so I had some of my gear with me, and uh, basically, when you do food shows, if you're lucky enough that you get um, the country of, that you really like at the end of a block of shooting, which usually there's three blocks of shooting per show, you get to kind of stay there until the next block, mm -hmm. and then the production will fly you to the next block instead of just flying you home for a week and a half to relax, right? Okay. I basically just stay in the country and just yeah. you know tour it around. Why not? If yeah. someone else is helping you out there, free flight yeah. and stuff, you know. You, you, and if you save your per diem over that block of shooting, it'll kind of pay for everything that you do afterwards, you know. A secret tips here from the film yeah. industry. Yeah, like exactly. I like <laughs> so I stayed in Japan and I shot that for a couple of days, and then I just hung around in Tokyo for a week, and then went to the next block of shooting on that show. Can't remember what show it was. It was a, some sort of food show. Um, um, but yeah. Um, I mean, I drove, I drove and filmed Steve McQueen's Ferrari. Mm -hmm. I mean, that thing, that that was that was amazing. Which Ferrari? It's uh, the Ferrari and a '67 275 GTB. Oh, is that that's the one that was uh, he bought from? Is it James Coburn as well? When they went back and forth with it? No, uh, a different one. Well, which one's? I think it's a brown one or a brown. <clears throat> it was brown. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, the same yeah. One. So I think this is the one he of. had when he was working on Bullet. Yeah, as his kind of pedestrian car, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, I think I, but someone's probably going to correct me and tell me wrong, but I'm pretty sure that was the one that him at the because I think he saw the Magnificent Seven and wanted to buy it off him. What what was it? It was his car from the beginning oh, because okay. he Which he crashed to where they bought it. He he sell, sold it to a guy and then wanted to buy it back. Yeah. That's for sure. I think that's James Coburn. The actor from Zorro was the one who had it right after him. Okay. I have, I have to... I, it's been a while since I've done that story, so I don't know the exact names, but I yeah. know at least it was it was sold to the actor from Zorro, mm -hmm. and then after that he wanted it back or something and it went around. 
Um, but basically, he crashes Nart on the PCH, and Narts are hard to come by, right? Yeah, who would have so, thought that? Yeah. yeah. And so the next best thing he could get on such short notice, you know, to come film in San Francisco was the uh, 275. Which is know? a hard, hard life. I mean, going <laughs> 275, be like, oh, the, the struggle. The I mean, struggle for your so viewers, difficult. they really should watch that video because it's got a great story. Because I interviewed Steve McQueen's mechanic and mm-hmm. his painter. Okay. His personal guys that he goes to for his custom cars and the custom stuff they had to do to that car is amazing you know and then ferrari what they did for the auction was they because someone after mcqueen chopped the roof to make a nart replica mm-hmm. you know and and ferrari took that car back and rebuilt the roof you know put the roof back on painted it mcqueen's original color which was red because he bought it brown of course but he's like that's not a fucking mcqueen color dude yeah you know he wanted something better so he got this really specific red and I have a second video on there. It's like a bonus video on my channel where it's just B-roll from when we shot the car on Mulholland. And I have a suction cup just slapped on the side of the uh, Ferrari. And the quality of that paint, uh, the, the certain pr- that particular shade and whatever they did to that paint is so amazing because you can see from light to shade, it changes colors like dramatically. It goes mm-hmm. from a brilliant red and pure sunlight to kind of purplish in the sh- in, the, in a less in like a little bit of shade but when it goes to a complete dark shade it's black yeah you know and you can see a mirror finish on it it's it blew me away and that's not bad to say that you got to spend time with steve mcqueen's oh, ferrari dude and that's not the only mcqueen thing i've sung around with I've, I've ridden three mcqueen bikes okay it's owned by the same guy who owns the part three delorean he owns okay. three mcqueen bikes so i was like all right i'm gonna keep this mcqueen thing going <laughs> why not right and, and both of my motorcycles that i own are both styled after mcqueen so I mean, yeah. he's a pretty cool guy. It started a thing with me when I when I got when I when I when I drove and and shot that car and told that story. Kind of brought it home, and so the McQueen thing really just kind of stayed with me. Yeah, because I've had a chance to to ride in his uh, D Type mm-hmm. um, to go out in that. How was that? Uh, well, as a passenger, it wasn't exactly ideal mm-hmm. uh, because, funnily enough, I think I mean race cars. Do they generally need a second person in them? I know. <laughs> so it's not really designed for that second person. So yeah. uh, I mean, the big thing is obviously there's no leg room. Yeah. So yeah, for me, not being the tallest guy, but mm. still my knees were very much up around my chest area, yeah, yeah. and um, pushed back. And then the other thing is, is the exhaust mounting just mounts straight through the floor. Oh shit! So your foot, your foot gets really hot. Yeah. Real quick. So, but the story was that him and his wife at the time. She didn't mind it so much because she'd be kept warm from the exhaust coming oh, through. Okay. And so when he'd want to go out and run Mulholland mm-hmm. at obviously the speed limit mm-hmm. at 3 yeah, in the morning. Yeah, for sure. Like I do every single time. He'd drag her out of bed and she'd have the rollers in, in a nightgown, and then she'd be off. <laughs> so that's apparently the story behind it. That's pretty cool. Which is meant to be true. So I was hurt. I like that. It's a good story. Yeah. And then no police ever caught, catch him. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, he had a specific... He had... He, had, he knew... Mulholland backwards and forwards into the point where what his green Porsche was like built to not get caught by cops, right? Well, his 911. Yeah, the one that didn't, didn't not have the, the brake light, the lights on as well. Yeah, the no. lights were disconnected. You, disconnect it, you can flip the license plate or something, I think, as well. <laughs> like he went full bond just not to get caught by cops on yeah. Mulholland. And I know that the didn't the chief of police sort of put out a steak dinner award if anyone was to call, <laughs> give him a, give something him like a, that, yeah, uh, uh, speeding <laughs> ticket. Uh, I mean, he. I'm sure, you know, all this shit he did, he was like a master of evading police. Yeah. You yeah. eventually do. I mean, I used to, when I, I mean, first could... got my motorcycle, Mahollin was, was my racetrack, you know? Mm-hmm. And I knew where not to ride, uh, where not to ride super fast. Yeah. <clears throat> 
I mean, it's not the greatest racetrack because the roads could certainly do with being a little bit more resurfaced, I would say. Well, when I first started riding, it was 2007, and they were a little better back then. Yeah, A now, little bit, and then they degraded really fucking fast. Yeah. And, but now, they repaved certain sections of it, and those certain sections are amazing, great. you know? But in between those certain sections... It's terrible. ...is fucked. It's awful. <laughs> I mean, it's really... Like, it's dangerous. On my yeah. motorcycle, I hop around on the fucking road, you know? Yeah, even the car when you go on them. I mean, the yeah. the piece of concrete, the different, the different yeah. heights. I mean, they're big gaps. Yeah, yeah. It's a fun road, but certain, but but the old parts are god-awful. They're scary. Yeah. <laughs> so then, uh, after doing Steve McQueen, where, where else are, who else have you... I mean, I understand that maybe a Mr. Hasselhoff has been also. Oh, yeah, we, we did. Oh, yeah, that was actually right before McQueen. Um, so I got to... It wasn't a real kit from Knight Rider it was a replica mm-hmm. but the story was just as good anyways because it's a super super fan that built her own um, Knight Rider car mm-hmm. and uh, just so happens it was a stroke of luck you know she's she's good friends with Hasselhoff and um, and another guy um, funnily enough from Toronto was shooting a different project with Hasselhoff out in the desert original location of the title sequence for, for Knight Rider mm-hmm. they were doing a whole separate project can't talk about it um, but I was. They were nice enough to let me piggyback off of their project. So they were out in the desert shooting their thing, and basically whenever they had a big break that was long enough that Hasselhoff wasn't hanging out, you know, in the AC, he would come out and hang out with me. And Which is nice. Yeah, it was amazing. Actually, you know, I didn't know much about the guy. I knew the the stories of the hamburgers and the drunk and you know all that bullshit. Well, you didn't. You didn't know that the, obviously the illuminated jacket on the Berlin Wall <laughs> when he was looking for freedom. Uh, no. Really? <laughs> no, I didn't he's, know about that. It's David's the one that bought the the Berlin Wall down. That was him. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I didn't know that. He played, I think, the largest concert ever huh. at the time for unification. And 30 oh, wow. days later, he went to play the unified Germany. No shit. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that. See, things are good. And <laughs> all I knew is what they put on the, on TV and on the internet, you know, which is all negative stories. But yeah. then I met the guy, and the guy's a fucking pro. Like, yeah. like I, he asked me, he's like, all right, so what what topics do I have to hit for you? You know, what do you need? Bang, 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 bang. Yeah, bang. and I gave him a list of six different to- hot topics that I really, really needed for the video, and he just, just rolled through them i barely had to talk to be honest like he was just just for half an hour he just just hit all my points um not very not in a straight line it was kind of zigzaggy but nonetheless the guy is an absolute pro and he he loves knight rider like he there is no you know negative spin for him for him it's knight rider is absolutely amazing look i mean when he played uh bad michael knight yeah i mean I couldn't tell the two apart. I mean, I know there was a mustache that went that split mm-hmm. the difference there, but mm-hmm. the two of them was like, oh, yeah, genius. genius. Um, and I was super impressed by the guy. I actually, I absolutely loved working with him, hanging out with him. And he um, was in SpongeBob. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, dude knows how to drive too. You know, yeah. I mean, I've met his stunt driver for Night Rider, which is basically this a carbon copy of him with a blonde hair. <laughs> He's the same height, <laughs> same build, almost same speech pattern. But the dude is a stunt driver like like I've never seen, you yeah. know? Um, but it's just funny to see Blonde Hasselhoff, and, and he's a stunt driver. But, yeah, we, we took the stunt driver as well for another TV show in France, and uh, we made him take a replica kit and just throw it around a parking lot. And the dude just went nuts for, like, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And we looked at the owner of the replica, and we're like, um, we didn't know we'd go this far, and we're really <laughs> sorry about your tires. <laughs> He's like, nah, dude, this is amazing. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Can I get in with him? And he's yeah. like, we're like, yep, hop in. And he's like, okay, let's keep going. <laughs> and like another 10 minutes of just sliding around. 
Yeah, I mean, it must when you get able to connect the two like that. I mean, connect people who, have, especially when it's their cars, and they can connect them for the story. I mean, it must be a huge. Oh, their eyes light up. It's like yeah. finally it's brought home, you know, because the first uh, the first accomplishment is really building the car and having it completed, mm-hmm. which is hard enough on its own. Depending on what project you're doing, it's a feet and a half to build your own replica to completion. Yeah, you know, um, and then if we if I can give them the opportunity to really, you know connect with the original uh actors or creators of the show and really bring it home for them like it's like they're finally they finished you know like that's 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 all they needed yeah and so which are some of the other episodes that you've been super proud of or really happy uh because as much as i'd like to go through all 25 we really don't it's a it's we don't have the time for all that you just gotta go to the show and watch it yeah that's the important thing we'll get to that later (laughs) there's a controversial one i did in 1956 oldsmobile 88 which is actually the first licensed batmobile ever Okay. You know, and uh, a lot of people don't want to give me, you know, confirmation on this or say that, yeah, you're, yeah, that's it. That's the first Batmobile. Because everyone believes the 66, you know, the, the Barris mm-hmm. mobile is the first Batmobile. And this one I brought as a, as a kind of a controversial sort of, you know, offering. And it's basically a fan of Batman, a comic book fan in the 1950s, uh, wanted to build his own Batmobile and, um, <clears throat> building out of fiberglass had just become an art form. Mm-hmm. And so he decided to take his old, uh, his, his Oldsmobile 88 and make, mold his own Batmobile based off of the comic books. Right. Okay. So it's his own creation and it's the same MO, just like all these replica guys on my show. Um, he wanted to create his own Batmobile to bring the comic book home for himself. And he wanted to just, he wanted to live his dream. And, um, and this was before anyone else was replicating anything because there weren't, there weren't any movie cars or TV cars or anything. It was just from print. Yeah. And he finished it. it took him a very long time and, 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 and a lot of money and effort. But he finished it. And basically DC was, put, was, was putting their logos or licensing out to, a, to, a, to an ice cream company. Mm-hmm. You know, putting Batman on, a, on, on someone's ice cream. And then for a press tour or a parade or something, I can't remember. It's been a while. Um, basically, DC officially licensed that Batmobile to advertise this ice cream. So okay. it was officially licensed by DC to sell ice cream, which makes it an official licensed DC Batmobile. Yeah, and that's in '56. So it's you controversial, know yeah. you know. Everyone fights fights the idea, but um, and I was at a DC event recently where 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 Lee was there, the the president of DC, and mm-hmm. I really should have. I, God, they ran him out the door so fast. I would have gone up to him and asked him, "What do you think about this story? Yeah. Tell me yes or no. Is that a Batmobile or not?" You know, that would kind of put it to rest. But the dude was just like ushered out of the building as fast as he possibly could. You know, mm-hmm. maybe next time I'll try to get that confirmation. But so speaking of that, I mean, obviously, I've um, it's the internet, so there's lots of comments on the internet. Some yeah. positive, some negative, uh-huh. some suggesting that you were incorrect. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, obviously, no one ever wants to read the comments, but yeah. you sometimes feel you have to. Sometimes. Um, I mean, I know I've been on the things of where people's told me, for example, James, you said this about a car. It's not right. It's definitely not this right car. That's the wrong one. Yeah. Um, but it is, we'll say it's always nice when you know or someone backs you up. So I, yeah. an example in this case was an Alpine, a Renault Alpine. Mm-hmm. that was at the museum that should not be named. So mm-hmm. I did a little video on it. And someone was like, Nope, that's not the right one. No, nope, definitely not the right yeah. one. That's not the right one. But yeah. you know what? Who said it was the right one? Was the driver who came on and Facebook <laughs> commented after. Right. I was like, look, if the driver that's said it's the right, right one, it's yeah. fine by me. 
the the YouTube commenters, man. I have a I have a strange relationship with them. I I do get a lot of really good positive feedback. You know, basically, um, uh, really about my crafts, mm -hmm. my my craft, which is filmmaking, storytelling, and shooting. Yep. And um, they're very generous about that. Like they uh, pretty much ninety percent positive commentary on on what I'm making. Mm -hmm. But then there's also the other side, which is, you know, bored people who are, who will comment before they're even finished the first minute of the video. Yes. You know, like yes. they're just angry people just sitting there going, would they go like keyboard warrior in mm -hmm. like a minute? You know, mm -hmm. the video is usually eight minutes long, sometimes 15. And if yep. you're commenting in the first minute, you haven't seen anything. And I, eventually I just got fed up and stopped reading the comments in total because I just got, I got tired of seeing these guys going negative ones. What yeah. about this? And it's like, did you watch the video, it's dude? In. It's Two it's minutes. in there. Yeah. <laughs> what you're complaining about is in there. And so I just I don't read them anymore. I just can't do it. Because for example, when I did the um the dual truck, mm -hmm. you know, Brad is he had such a good story. I loved his story and he's such a great guy and then people were on there, you know, being negative and I I have to jump to the defense of my of my of my um my characters, my people, my the people that I'm interviewing, you know, because I believe in their story. That's why I put it out there. And so, and, and a lot of the people that I put on YouTube, you know, for my videos, for my benefit, really don't deserve this negativity because they absolutely believe in their passion. Yeah. And it's, it's what they love. Yeah. Why do you, why do, why does someone in, you know, in the middle of nowhere or, or just Where sitting on their the... couch, you know, just, you have no right to attack these people yeah, that are living their project. passions, yeah. you know, whether they did something a little bit wrong in their car or not, it doesn't fucking matter, you know, no. it's their art. Yeah, so matters to them. And I, I have to, I have to jump to their defense. And and even Brad, the owner of the dual truck, he called me three times. He's like, "Dude, stop commenting. They're just assholes. Don't worry about it. I don't give a shit." And I'm like, "No, no, there must be justice." So, so how is how is speaking of that? How is dealing with YouTube? And aside from the commenters, what is it like working with the YouTube algorithms and things like uh, that? It's complete horseshit. Yeah. It's hard, man. I, I, I can't figure it out. They change it monthly, you know? Yeah. And you can't game it. You can't beat it. Like, the only maybe way is to be on an MCN, multi-channel network, and maybe they can game it for you. But even then, you're never the biggest fish, so they don't really give a shit, you know? Yeah. They'll, they'll game it for, like, Zac Efron. Yeah. You know, no problem there. Yeah. But for any old normal YouTuber, unless you're at like 1.5 mil subs, they will not game the system for you. They'll just kind of take their cut off of what you make and then say, cool, you want a free ticket to Comic-Con? Yeah. That's basically it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just, if you're going to do YouTube, um, it's either a passion project on the side um, but if you make it a career choice, it is a beyond full-time job. Yeah. It's not a full-time job. It's more than that. You know, it is day and night and every day you don't take a vacation. And if you do take a vacation, they, everyone forgets about you yeah. and they don't watch your shit anymore. And then you're not making money, yeah. which the money in the first place is already hard enough to make. You yes. know, I don't, I've, I've done quite a lot of views and I really haven't made anything. Yeah, I so. mean, I know certain YouTube channels, friends that, that have in fact just been on the show who do hundreds of thousands of views every week. Yeah. But they have lots of lots of people creating that content every day mm -hmm. to get those hundreds of thousands of views yeah. to the offset of yeah. the money that they're earning. Exactly. You're yeah. almost at zero. You're almost, you're just breaking even kind of, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's it's like and YouTube, the YouTube algorithm no matter how much they change it, YouTube algorithm always requires you to be doing at least two videos a week. Mm -hmm. That's that will never change, right? Yeah. It's not to be honest, YouTube is not the ideal home for what I do. What I do is kind of a Netflix show. You know, mm -hmm. you do a season 
uh, a season run of, of like, you know, 15 episodes and put them on once or twice a year, right? Yeah. That's what I'm doing. I, I don't do blogging and vlogging, and that's what YouTube really is. If you're going to be doing vlogging or blogging, talking about shit, you know, whatever it is, that's unboxing. your home. Yeah, unboxing, unboxing videos, thing every day. riding electric skateboards around town and just kind of talking at your camera about yeah. who knows what. That's a great place for you. You belong there. Enjoy your life and selling yourself, you know. Yeah. But Good luck to you. Yeah, but if that's not what you're doing, if you're trying to create art or trying to create entertainment, you know, uh, that's beyond um, what you can do just with one hand, mm-hmm. uh, YouTube is probably not the place for you, you know. So speaking of that, if people now, since they've all enthralled to watch these videos of yours, to hopefully take the views up a little bit more, where can they find you? On uh, so I, it's I called it the aficionado. It's a smart name, but an impossible name to spell. So I changed my website name, so it's simply drivetacom Okay. So that you don't have to spell the stupid name. Yeah. You can you can enjoy it when it shows up. Ooh, that's smart. What what kind of, what kind of arrogant asshole made his name uh, that you know? But yeah. it's 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 drivetacom so okay. that's the easiest way to find it. Perfect. And what about on the social medias if there are people trying to find? Uh, that's even hard. That one's hard because that you have to actually spell that's out my okay. shit. Look, I always spell my name. I even try and get the cadence where it's nice and rolled out. Yeah, right. That's you got to work on. Instagram and well, Twitter I don't use that that much, but but Instagram I do a lot of live stories whenever I'm doing something interesting, and that's T H E A F I C. T I O N A U T O. So if you just put in T H E A F I C, it should pop up. There you go. See, it's a blue it's... racing grid on, on the logo. So. And that's the important thing. <laughs> but what other projects have you got coming up? Is there anything that you can talk about? Uh, for the show or yeah. my personal life? Both. Good <laughs> both. Uh, I'm finishing up a pilot now and I might be going into development on a feature. Okay. Uh, really pushing that filmmaking career because. As much as I've tried to get my aficionado show on Netflix or some better venue for it mm-hmm. where it really ha- can live, mm-hmm. um, so far I have no traction, surprisingly. I don't know why. But I have no traction. So really I'm pushing my directing career as hard as I can to really get into the filmmaking side of things. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm finishing up a pilot and you know hoping to get into this feature. And, uh, and I, I have a bunch of episodes still going on the aficionado that I'm still editing but you know the thing is like I said with YouTube is you don't make much money you can't pay the rent you know? yeah so you've got to be working on things that pays the rent I yeah. mean it's like obviously YouTube very much sounds like the uh, podcasting business where you I mean the difference obviously is the podcasting we just make millions it's like printing money yeah I mean yeah, in fact totally. I've got the money printed <laughs> around the corner just totally did. Absolutely. right out there right now Spitting out those notes. Because you and I both live in West Hollywood, and you know the rent we have to pay here, right? Mm-hmm. And YouTube's not going to pay that fucking rent. No. i got to go work. Yeah, you know? exactly. i got to work on my an actual career. And, and YouTube's not a career. I'm 32 years old, turning 33, man. I'm not going to be doing this shit forever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're only be so old. But uh, with that being the case, Chris, has been the absolute pleasure. Oh, but uh, but if, oh. you, if you were interested in other episodes, but this year I am planning on trying to head to Europe to do a bunch of uh, movie, screen use movie cards in a collection. Oh, that'll be yeah, fun, yeah, man. Yeah. Oh. So that's a big, that's the big one for the actual web series. Is, okay. Is, is, is going is to Europe? Big shoot that I might do in Europe. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that's, is that kind of what you said, where you're doing another show and then we'll spend some time there and sort of put it together kind of thing? No, that's not even, not even a reality show. I'm just going to pack up my shit and go to Europe for a little while. Why not? Yeah. Well, you've got the dual passports, you may as well. Yeah. And you're not going to go to that that place across the water there, so that's fine. I mean, I'd like to, but you guys have some sort of fucking shit going on that, <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of yelling and shouting about it and big red buses that have signs on them that nobody under- understands. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, yeah, let's not get started on that. <laughs> 
But uh, no, it's been an absolute pleasure, Chris, talking to you here. Yeah, same here. Thank you so much, especially since you're being so under the weather and <laughs> you packing for your trek across the country. Oh, such a long trip. It'll be fine. <laughs> you, might have, you might have, yeah. <laughs> It's the best. You got to do the best way you can. But anyway, thank you everyone for listening. Of course, always leave us a positive review. Uh, that's what we like to see here. On the, the, always a positive. Review. Always a positive review. At least seventeen stars out of five. I expect nothing less. Um, if you've got any questions, you can always find us at No Breaking on uh, Instagram or Facebook, or just shoot me an email. We get a message there from anyone. And if you want to hear any guests, you just let us know who you want to hear. We'll try and get them on. So thanks again, everyone, for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye bye.